Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. In T-minus three, two, one, we begin the fun. Touring our way through the NBA from that big, big apple to the place by the bay. Is your mind buckled in? Because it's time to begin. Welcome into another edition of the Hang Time Podcast. I'm your host, Sekou Smith, here in Atlanta. Got one of my favorite people to speak to in the world about whatever on the line for this week's episode. Uh, Karan Butler, NBA champion, NBA all-star, an analyst, philanthropist, social activist. Man, you you wearing so many hats, and I think that's appropriate right now, um, given the climate of what's going on. We, we're trying to survive a, you know, a, a global pandemic with the coronavirus pandemic, you know, stretching around the globe and also the racial inequality roundtable that you had last week, which was as timely and pertinent as anything I could think of, man. When you when you wake up and take a deep breath today, like what's what's going through your mind? Man, my my heart is heavy because you know, one of the things that we always touch on is just like mental well being and when when you think about some of the things that we addressed on the virtual roundtable, we, we, we talked about systematic racism and Brother Brad Stevenson that came on and he's he's the guy that whose film and his life was portrayed on the film by Michael B. Jordan uh, in Just Mercy. And he was a lawyer. And one of the things that he touched on was just how we got to this point. And then you add all that and combine that up with, you know, the trauma of, you know, being isolated and possible depression and all the mixed emotions. And on top of that, you know, not being able to educatedly know how to, you know, de-stress or, you know, get therapy in those moments. And then now you're being overwhelmed and drowned in trauma, you know, because you're seeing people that look like you. That, that that come from the environments that you come from being, you know, slain. And and and, and it's just it's it's trauma all over again and it's resetting and, and in the midst of all of this where we're supposed to be unifying and coming together because, you know, COVID doesn't discriminate. And we're trying to love our neighbor and try to uplift and try to be supportive. And you got people using their platforms in, in an amazing way. And then you have this regression because now things like this you know set us back and then everybody just you know just 
being extremely emotional right now as they should be because this hit home. You know, I, me and my me and my whole entire family was watching the news and watching the optics of what happened, and I was just like, I was just set back, bro. Like it hit so hard, I was speechless. It's, it's so many conversations that we're having around our houses right now with everybody being sheltered. And, and, and let's, let me not forget that as a part of the NBA's, you know, NBA Together initiative uh, during this coronavirus pandemic, that is why you were hosting that weekly roundtable. And it's really focusing on the virus's impact on communities of color all over the United States. And I could not think of a I was like, man, when is the last time this sort of stuff was happening where we had this sort of connection to the technology? Watching that video of Mr. Floyd with a knee on his neck, you know, begging for air. I was like, man, I, I remember when I was a teenager, me and my dad sat up on a Sunday morning and watched Nelson Mandela get released from prison. It was on CBS this morning. I'll never forget it. And I was like, we don't have those sorts of moments anymore. This, this, this shutdown has allowed us as families, as fathers, sons, you know, whatever, to have those kind of moments together when we're talking about these things, where we are dialoguing about all this stuff. Have you found yourself having more of those conversations than basketball conversations in the recent weeks? Yeah, heavy. Like, you know, in, in our household, we always, you know, pride ourselves on, you know, the education and, and forming aspect of it. You know, where, you know, I'm almost like speaking a foreign language when I talk about sports and stuff, because outside of my son, you know, they're not really into the, the basketball world once I retire. You know what I mean? So all our conversations is really away from entertainment as a whole. You know, it's about life. It's about laying that proper foundation to your point and just preparing them for, you know, their foreseeable future. And then, you know, when things like this happen, like you, you, you're almost preparing them in survival mode from, Look, this this is why it's important to know how to grow food. This is why it's important to do this. This is why it's important to do that. And then all of a sudden, you get hit with the reality of, you know, just blame racism. You know, a racist act that took the life of a human being. And it's just like, man, what do you do? Because my family sit around and I, I go in the back of my studio and my family literally record and watch me doing my virtual roundtable. And we have people from all walks of life where NBA Together has given me an amazing platform to just educate and be informed while informing others. And then at the same time, you know, my, my family are getting informed in real time too with me. And then when things like this happen, we think that we're moving the needle on this discussion, which we are. But at the same time, it's just like, it's, it's super deflating because it's like, come on, man. Like, it, it, this, this didn't have to happen. No. There's... It's been a uh, an issue I've had for years, um, and I've talked about this with NBA players, NBA coaches, and it goes back to the culture that's crafted long before guys get to the league. So I commend you and everybody else who steps out on that platform and speaks to this. But there's this nagging thing to me about authority, black males, the threat that that you know people perceived to be there, the threat to each other, the threat to the outside world, and the refusal of people to come together. Like it shouldn't take, you know, a global pandemic or some sort of violence 
for guys to sit down and, and kind of vibe on that thing. And I've, I've seen that riff go all the way back for the first time I ever went to a locker room, just kind of that inherent distrust or disconnect between the black males in the room and the young black males who should be gleaning that wisdom and learning from that. When you go out and speak to these young guys in these communities, in prisons and wherever, What's what's disconnect? What, what is the disconnect you notice that hasn't been bridged between those two parties? Well, I have to just say this: the the, the trust. You know, uh, people are you typically in survival mode. You know, especially when you go to the penitentiary and things like that. Where you know, I sit down with some of these brothers, male and females from all different walks of life, or you know, anything from. Uh, violent crimes to, you know, something as simple as, you know, this multiple parking, parking tickets. And, you know, it's just, everybody's trying to be in survival mode and just try to, you know, get their self together and get out. Not thinking of a whole as a whole collectively. And I said, you know, numerous times, you know, in our, in our gatherings, if we collectively thought as a, as a, as a unit, and how to better, you know, these neighborhoods, how to hold, you know, people in position that's our representation, politicians accountable, you know, and not feel like, oh, man, my vote doesn't matter and all these things. If we was informed and educated about all these policies and how to really uh, strategically move uh, these situations to better to, for the better of, you know, our people. As a whole, I think that, you know, it, it, it'll look a lot different for us. What happens is that, like, we get discouraged when the outcome isn't immediate. And that happens because of, you know, one, the, the, the generational brainwash, and then also just the optics of seeing what has happened in the more recent past. But everything isn't microwavable. It takes time for real change. But, you know, people have to believe and, and be committed to the cause and just stay with it. And I think in due time, those things will happen because, you know, I've been a part of initiatives where, you know, we went knocking at the door, like immediately when this COVID thing hit and we was like, man, we're trying to get prisoners out of jail and it didn't happen initially. And we went and knocked again, it didn't happen. And then we kept knocking and, you know, 25, 30,000 people are being released because, you know, COVID has become the epic center of, mass incarceration you know it lives in jails where they cannot social distance you know so people with non-violent crimes was able to walk walk free and you know not you know they pay they they do to society but at the same time you know they're not sentenced to a death sentence so like right it took time for real change to happen and i was proud of that yeah this when you were playing in the league it seems like it was kind of like We've passed generations in terms of the social awareness of players has increased, not by virtue of them not caring, but by there being all these different platforms where they're able to display it publicly. Um, was there was there something that had to be shored up in order for us to have so many loud, impactful voices? I know you know LeBron uh, and Colin Kaepernick have you know, made public statements that go around the world about what happened in Minnesota. You have the the Central Park situation going on. People were there, you know, we have NBA players and athletes stepping into that space and speaking on it so loudly. What changed from when you first got into the league 
in into you know in in a social situation like this to what's going on now? I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you you know what, Deku? Honestly, I think that the brands started to change. You know what was subject subjectively like to be like discouraging and deflating and y'all no we have to pivot away from this athlete because this athlete is you know standing for something that's not the you know the traditional way like us we can't you can't say that and then we still market you because now you would turn away certain consumers or whatever the case may be but once the brands had changed and you know, people start backing, you know, social injustices. People start backing, you know, the power to rock the vote. You know, not telling you who to rock or who to vote for or anything like that, but just supporting initiatives. And I think that it just changed from that standpoint. Like, even when I first came into the league, man, like, it it wasn't it wasn't cool to, like, comment about my past or to let people know my truth. But I was just, you know, I it, it took courage to do that. And once I did it and the NBA understood the character of the person who I was and they supported me a hundred percent, now it, it 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 the impact was just stronger and it was different. And it, and not only that, it gave people that came from the same walk of life that I came from to, you know, have courage to be like, you know what, I can I can thrive on this platform because this is going to be a beautiful marriage because they're going to be supportive. And I think now the narratives have just changed drastically. Like, so now it's cool for guys to use their platform on, on, on initiatives and, and spread awareness and inform people. Here's a, here's a quick piece uh, of that NBA together uh, round table that, that you hosted. And I think just to give people a good sense of what goes on in that form, here's a little bit of that for them to chew on. CB, so they can just understand. Sport is really more than just a game for many of our young people. The people who are normally in the lives of these kids, they're not there anymore. That's kind of what inspired me to uplift, uh, be a positive voice, voice for the voiceless. I think we as a society have to allow room for young people to talk about what's going on for them mentally and emotionally. We didn't have a choice about being forced to stay in and all of this, but we do have a choice about how we come out. You had you had such a diverse group of people um, on that roundtable, um, and the the experiences that people are bringing to these same situations, but coming from so many different avenues. Have you have you noticed that as ball players or as former ball players, you know, because I know Jalen Brown is doing one this week. Um, have you noticed that there's just a natural connection that you're able to to have with all these different groups? Because let's let's face it. Y'all, you know, ball players tend to be the most visible people in in our society, um, and it's. I don't think that's a bad thing. I know some people would t- take that as a knock on society, but I don't think so. But the the idea that you would be able to bridge gaps because people recognize faces, recognize stories, have you found that that's been, uh, you know, a connector? instead of a divider for y'all when you're going into these conversations with other people from different walks of life? It's it's crazy because like you, you look at folks that like I, I played in the nation of capital for six years and you look at like Benita Gupta and uh, you know, so many more like Cynthia Marshall and so many more like playing with the Dallas Mavericks, like the sports and entertainment has always been our connection. So like initially when you come in, you think like the conversation is going to be, uh, 
foreign or the connection is going to take some time to have because, you know, we all come from different walks of life. But at the same time, entertainment is our connection. And they're just as, as familiar with us as we are with them because now if you get out of the entertainment space, you're turning on the news and you're trying to get educated and informed on what's happening. How is like, what, what should I be doing from a protection standpoint with COVID? And then now you're getting educated from all different uh, aspects too, because some of these folks that's been featured on this virtual round table are the same folks that you're watching on some of these major news outlets. So when we come together on the round table, it's just like, it's an immediate connection because we all trying to do better. We all want to be informed on what each other is doing and, and educated. And then also just, we all share that connection. Like, look, we just want to be better. We want to give back. We want to empower. We want to educate. And how do we do it uh, the smartest way? And um, I, that's what I've learned, you know, in all these virtual roundtables. And this has been like super educational for me. And I know that everybody that's been a part of it have circled back immediately and reached out and said, mm-hmm. that was a pretty dope experience. Yeah. I know you've taken inspiration in your life from a lot of places, but I know I've I've heard you say this several times that that uh, your brother and and the beloved late Kobe Bryant used to talk to you about the second act always being better than the first. Um, you seem like you're knee deep and maybe chest deep now in that second act, and and it's and it's on you and fitting you well. What about forty year old Karan Butler? do you enjoy being able to do whether it's you know the, the reach you have or just the voice what about the second act are you enjoying at this time even in the even in a time where it's you know tough to deal with like it is right now i you know what i i made a commitment and we made a a vow to each other that what you just touched on say good that our our second act was gonna be better than our first and you know i'm a man of honor and commitment and that vow that I made to him, you know, kind of went to a whole nother level, you know, when, you know, he wasn't no longer here in the physical form. And I honor that to the utmost. And what I'm trying to do and what I enjoy doing is just having a free mind and a free way of thinking and having a platform to do it and having the credibility, right? Because so many times people follow ways and, you know, trends, but I'm just, I'm just speaking on what I've been educated on and also from my experiences. And it feels damn good just to know that <laughs> when you come from a real solid place, like it's different. Like when you like, man, I really don't know nothing about this and I just don't know how to speak on this, but I'm just, I'm just speaking on my experiences personally yeah. and things yeah. that I've informed and educated myself on. And now I, like I say this with the utmost respect, like I thank God for the NBA for just saying, yo, this your platform. We're going to put you in front of 30, 40 million viewers once a week, and you go ahead and speak your truth. And that's just that's, – that's a blessing, bro. Like, you don't get an opportunity like that. I got hundreds of thousands of social media followers, and that's an amazing platform to be on. But the, the diverse path and, and, and platform that the NBA has to, to allow me to tell my truth and inspire and educate and inform and inform myself it, it's just it's priceless man I'm, I'm i'm over i'm beyond grateful to have that yeah that's that's well said man um you are a basketball analyst Let's, i don't want to bury 
that part of the story. I mean, and, and we're getting closer and closer to some sort of resolution on what happens with this 2019-2020 season. Um, you saw the statement, like everybody else, that the league is exploring this option in Orlando with a campus and a resumption of the season. What does a what does a proper resumption of the the 2019-2020 season look like to you? Uh, well, first foremost, I know that it'll be a safe environment. Um, I, talking to Chris Paul and some of the guys, you know, I know they're eager and anxious to get back to playing just because that's the competitive nature of all the guys. But, you know, I know it'll be safe. And I think that, you know, when you look at the regular season and guys and organizations that was like right at their own the cups, I feel bad. Mark Cuban laid out an amazing uh, play in with the teams and, you know, have the one game play in for, you know, the last teams that, you know, I forget the format, but it was, it was an interesting format, but I just say, yes, let's get right to the playoffs, man. Whatever the seating is right now, let's just go right, do, right to it. Uh, conference finals is seven, the, the, and then and, and clearly the finals should be seven. But uh, the the playoff series from there on, uh, from the beginning, should be three games. You know, two one series. You know, you advance and, and just have it like that. Like let's get right through, uh, right through it as, as as fast as possible and as safely as possible. Yeah, I know a lot of people have said, well, you know, this would be an asterisk if they come back and they have some changes to it. I never felt like any championship that was won during a lockout deserved an asterisk. I mean, you win a championship, you win a championship. So I got no problem with how we get it back. I want to see somebody play to win a championship. I want to see somebody have to to work for that Larry O'Brien trophy. You know you know what the, what that's like. I mean, that that's a sense of achievement, not only for the – for the journey that season before careers. I mean, that makes careers when a guy can go through a, a championship campaign and, and be in that parade going down Main Street somewhere. I, I just feel like there, will, there won't be an asterisk on it for me, no matter how we get it back, if we get it back. It, it definitely won't be one on it for me as well. Like when you look at this, this season as a whole, man, and look at some of the things that we had to, to go through and, the, and, you know, David Stern, you know, yeah. I rest his soul. You know, my late great brother, as you touched on, Kobe Bryant, and in the midst of COVID and so many changes, and for athletes still to find a way to stay consistent in their regiments and stay in shape, and then all of a sudden now you're getting back introduced to the practice facilities, and then you have to relocate and find a way to still impose your will on being great. And being competitive and and, and, and and compete at a high level and fight through a playoff series with a possibility of being separated from your loved ones, that's a new norm. So that would actually, like, add on to it. Like, when you think about it and when the story of basketball is told, you'd be like, how how did they possibly win that championship? I think <laughs> this team that hoist up this trophy is going to be like, man, like, <laughs> they're going to rest <laughs> at a whole different level. Yeah, like, bro, it's different. Yeah, this this gonna be this gonna be a big one. Yeah, I agree. I agree, man. I I I think it's so interesting too um, that we having these dual track conversations, man. So I appreciate your time. You keep educating, informing, sharing social media and everywhere else, man. The NBA together is is a outstanding platform for people to dive into, and you got it all on social media as well. So um, y'all be safe out there, and I hope to see you on the other side of this thing, man. In the studio again, you know, doing what we do.
Man, bro, I miss you, brother, man. Be well out there. No doubt. Appreciate you, CB. Can't say enough uh, about Karan Butler, as I mentioned, one of my favorite people, uh, you know, over the years to to come in contact within this league. An unbelievable life story. And uh, as I mentioned, doing things in his second act now that he's retired, uh, commendable, you know, and admirable, not only for his community, but for communities across the country. Uh, um, so we appreciate him coming on, talking about NBA together and the league and, and, and all that he's got going on. Um, we're going to continue to look towards June 1st um, and, and the start of June, maybe get some more understanding of what's coming in terms of a resumption of the 2019-2020 season. So everybody stay tuned uh, for Anthony Bonaparte, my producer here at the Hang Time Podcast. And for everybody involved, we appreciate you joining us and we'll see you next time. This one is done, but in case you want another one, here's the link to all the fun from Seku Smith's Hangtime Run. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, NBA.com slash Hangtime, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, Hoops fans.